from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Had a few technical difficulties this morning with the with the computer in-house in studio, so we appreciate your patience. We appreciate you waiting on the show here. We were all set and ready to go this morning, right around normal time at 9 a.m. Eastern, Eastern time and we had some uh, issue here with the computer, so we appreciate you being with us and uh, taking some time with us this morning. Would love to have gotten to you a little bit earlier, but happy to be with you now. Thank you so much for tuning into the show here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. It is an honor and a privilege to be with you every single Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And I thank you for being a part of the broadcast as well as being a part of us on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, on Twitter at Call DT, and on Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT. So, hope your morning is going well. I can't believe it's Thursday. I'm excited though. Here's the thing: I never want any time to go by fast. I don't want the. I, I don't want things to. I never want life to go by fast. I never want life to pass us by, and I want to have the opportunity to enjoy every moment from God, and then I have to enjoy every moment myself. So you know, uh, and uh, so I appreciate everything that we have, and I appreciate the time that we have, and I love Thursday. I love Thursday because Thursday is game show night, so. I get to host game show night with awesome people out at Muddy Waters. The food is awesome. The service is awesome. I appreciate the people. Uh, you know, make sure you, you go and, and hang out uh, and, and do rights. By, I mean, there's a fully stocked bar and great bartendership there, as well as a phenomenal menu, plenty to order. And I want to thank Tom Taylor and his team over there for all the hard work that they do, as well as everything that they do upstairs at Sammy Malone's. You know, it's just, it's fun for me to be able to be out and doing game show night because game show night is such an, it's such an awesome time. It's, it's so different from anything you've ever done and any game you've ever played or anything like that. It's Pictionary meets Family Feud. It brings it all together and it is live on location right there at Muddy Waters on 2 Oswego Street in the village of Baldwinsville. It's a whole lot of fun. So if you're in town just for the week, come out and play. If you're in town forever, you live here, then definitely come out and see us and hang out and and try something new, try something different and innovative that we love to do at Muddy Waters, which is game show night. It runs quickly. It's not going to take up your whole night. You can have some drinks, play the game, and and have some food, have have something for dinner, 
and play, get dessert, and be ready to go. It's an awesome game. It's a ton of fun. We are reaching out to the entire community, not just Baldwinsville, but everybody to come out and play this game, and you are more than welcome to come out. You can have teams from two to six players, and if you bring more than that, then feel free to just double up, you know, have two teams, two opportunities to win a $50 gift certificate to Muddy Waters. So make sure you come out and hang out with us and and give us an opportunity to show you something different, something fun, something exciting, and something that we we truly appreciate. And I love the fact that, you know, this was a creation. This was me sitting down saying, I want to do something different. And then Tom Taylor and I came up, I said, what about this? And he said, what about that? And we said, what about these together? And he said, yeah, let's do it. And we've done it for the last couple months, and you guys have been great. So come out tonight, men, women, and children. Everybody's welcome. It is a restaurant and a bar. It is family-friendly, and it is available to you at 7 p.m. on Thursdays to come out and play game show nights. Come out and do it with us. Thank you so much for tuning in to the broadcast. Today is jam-packed. And so I guess, you know, this morning we're going to get started because, you know, some people, it's an exhibition. So what are you looking for in a Syracuse exhibition game? What really matters in a Syracuse exhibition game? I understand some people's mentality in saying something like that, but with all due respect, there's a lot to be seen with this Syracuse team in the exhibition game. So, you know, this is a team that has four true freshmen. This is a team who has four returning scholarship players, but only two of them really played. And it has a graduate transfer who wasn't even active because he's injured right now. So this team makeup is of these nine players is very new in the sense of the environment and playing together and experience. I mean, the player with the most experience is Frank Howard, junior point guard. Second most experience is Tyus Battle as Syracuse's sophomore shooting guard, who was a true freshman last year. So, you know, this team definitely, you know, has to find its groove and find its comfort and find the people that it can go through and feel comfortable with and whatnot and who is that and how is it made up. So, you know, last night's game told me a lot. Last night's game gave me a lot, and I'm really excited to talk about it with you this morning. So we are going to discuss Syracuse's first action in 2017-18, albeit a, a a game that does not count, an exhibition game against Southern New Hampshire. It counts with the team trying to find some comfort together and trying to find their groove together and trying to find who's going to do what together. You know, But the game on, on actual paper is not going to count as a win or a loss. If it did, it would have been a 30-point win for Syracuse, 84-54. to 54. So we'll discuss that, and then I'll let the guys discuss it. I'm going to be joined today on the broadcast by... Barama Sidibe, as well as Howard Washington Jr., Frank Howard, Tyus Battle, and Matthew Moyer. They're all going to join the show today from coming off the game and, and their thoughts on the exhibition game and how they played and how was the team and how did they look and where was the comfort, why did they start out so sloppy, and just what their overall takeaways are from the game. So the gentlemen are going to join me on the show in just a little bit to give their thoughts, and I'm really excited about that coming off of their first exhibition game of the season. And that'll start off the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. After that, we're going to head into Papa Joe. Papa Joe's picks are coming up. He is back. We did the picks last week, the college football picks, and ode to Papa Joe. Papa Joe, my Uncle Joe, always comes on the show typically every single Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. He will do that today. 
He is a sports mind. He is somebody who keeps me on my toes. I learn from him. I experience, you know, sports through his eyes, and and I really uh, can appreciate his point of view, and I can appreciate you know, what he has to say. And we sit around the table and we have conversations all the time. And I was like, you know, I've been broadcasting for 14 years and I know when I hear something good and I know when I hear something positive, that's fun. So I said, Hey, Papa Joe, why don't you come on the show and do a segment? So we do our college football picks. And this is an extremely important week. If, (laughs) if there was ever, you know, this is, this is an extremely important week in college football. I told you to circle November 4th on your calendar. I hope that you listen to me because November 4th is going to be a huge, 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 huge day for the ACC. It is week 10 in college football, and the ACC will figure out most likely, for sure, who is going to be playing in the ACC championship game. Clemson is playing at NC State. That will most likely decide the Atlantic Division. That's on ABC at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday, November the 4th. And number 13, Virginia Tech, will take on number 10, Miami, at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on ABC as well, which will undoubtedly, most likely, surely decide the Coastal Division of the ACC. So, huge rankings for all these teams ranked in the top 20. Clemson, 4. I don't agree with the ranking, but they're 4. NC State, 20. I think they should be higher. Virginia Tech, 13. Pretty accurate. Miami, number 10. So, these teams, and Miami, remember, mind you, is still undefeated. So, Miami has not lost a game as of right now, defeating North Carolina, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, Florida State, Duke, and Bethune-Cookman. But, think about this. They have not played a ranked team yet. The first ranked team they will play is Virginia Tech, and then they will play Notre Dame, who's currently ranked currently ranked third in the country. So, some good games coming up. Syracuse at Florida State, one step closer if they win to getting bowl eligible. That would give them five wins, and then they'd have three shots at one more to round out the season. At the beginning of the year, I thought Syracuse would beat Wake Forest in Boston College. Wake has had some really good moments and some trying times. They've been that middle-of-the-road team, which is – typical-ish of them. I think they're better than a middle-of-the-road team right now, but they're 5-3, and three, so just kind of riding that equator, but steady improve. And then, you know, you look at uh, Boston College, who is off this week, who has just, you know, they have just offensively shock and awe with the ACC and with college football in general that, that Boston College is doing what they're doing right now. Uh, Boston College defeated... Florida State 35 to 3. Boston College on the season is 5 and 4. They have scored no less than 35 points in the last 3 weeks. 45 in Louisville, Kentucky, 41 in Virginia, and 35 at home against Florida State and they've won every single game. So, it's huge. And Boston College has to play NC State after after NC State plays Clemson, and that's not going to be – that's not an easy out. That's not like, a, oh, okay, we play Clemson, then we have to play a little old BC. BC is a lot better than people are going to give them credit for, and that's okay because a coach like Steve Adazio and Paul Pascaloni, that, you know, both former Syracuse 
coaches, you know, they're sitting there on that staff of Boston College saying, go ahead, underestimate us, underappreciate us, think that we can't, think that we won't, and then we will, and then it'll get embarrassing, and then you'll have to deal with it, and won't that stink? So I I definitely, definitely, definitely appreciate the work of Boston College, and I think that, you know, you would have to be crazy to not take a look at Boston College and just see what they've put together and and how amazing it's really been. You know, Boston College is is doing a heck of a job right now, and they they play Syracuse last game of the season on November 25th in the Carrier Dome. Syracuse has two road games and two home games coming up, and so there's plenty to discuss with that. So we'll discuss college football at 10:40 a.m. Eastern Time. I will give you my fantasy football analysis of the Thursday night game tonight. November 2nd, which will be the Jets at the Bills in a big AFC divisional matchup. Why do I say big? Because the Bills are 5-2 and two and because the Jets have found ways to win games with McCown at quarterback. So it's going to be a good game no matter what. I don't think you could bowl over any team. So it'll be exciting to see uh, this game tonight, what some people might thought would be a boring game on Thursday night has potential playoff implications for the Buffalo Bills. And then we'll round out the show as we always do on Thursdays with Through the Looking Glass at 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time. Proudly brought to you by Looking Glass Events, taking a deeper look at a trending topic, and I'm excited for that as well. So that's all coming up in today's broadcast on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora here on MixLR.com backslash Call. DT, And so make sure that you are listening in throughout the show all the way to 11 a.m. We might go a little bit past since we had to start a little bit back here. So we'll see how things roll out. But thank you so much for listening into the show and being a part of the broadcast. We truly appreciate it and cannot thank you enough for the opportunity to have you here on the show. So thank you for listening in to Wake Up Call with Dan Satora Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. With that being said, let's get things started with the Syracuse conversation. You're going to hear my thoughts on Syracuse, and then we will go into the thoughts of the players once again on the show. Matthew Moyer, Tyus Battle, Barama Sidibe, or Sidibe, as well as Frank Howard and Howard Washington Jr. They will all be on the broadcast today, coming off of Syracuse's first game, their first exhibition game of the season which can give some thoughts on where they're at right now, where where they sit at, do they, how do they look, how is the team. So let's discuss that right now. Let's get that started. The game began, uh, first and foremost, I was asked right before the season, I was asked, you know, going into the season, and literally I was asked on Tuesday when I was speaking with Gene Waldron, a former Syracuse player on the phone, he had said to me, well, what do you what do you think as far as, who is going to be the starters in the game? Who do you think is, is going to start for this team this season? And I said, Frank Howard at point guard, Tyus Battle at shooting guard, Matthew Moyer at small forward, O'Shea Brissett at power forward, and Pascal Chukwu at center. And that is exactly how the team started. Now, Geno Thorpe was out, so there's some question of, well, you know, was one of those spots for Geno, and did they just kind of move it around? But ultimately, I think that's... Frank is going to be the guy. I mean, he's if you look at the MO of Jim Beheim and, and whatnot, Frank Howard has gotten an opportunity each season to prove himself, and it is when he does not that he takes a seat. 
but normally Bayheim will give him the first few games to kind of show him what he's got and let him get out there and start as opposed to coming off the bench. So it'll be interesting to see how things shake out, but that was my starting five that I predicted going into the 2017-18 season, and that is exactly what happened in this game up against Southern New Hampshire. So as far as takeaways of the game to start things off, you know, for the opening of the game, the entire true freshman class, as well as Moyer, uh, for, or for the opening of this first game for the entire true freshman class and Matthew Moyer and whatnot, play was sloppy. There, se- there seemed to be a lack of energy, uh, a lack of offensive rebounding for sure. Bayheim in his 42nd season was substituting a lot more than we're used to. I know it's an exhibition game, but he tried a lot of different combinations early in the first half. By the 11-15 mark, all four true freshmen had checked into the game. Brissett was a starter. Uh, Wash- Howard Washington Jr. and Brahma City Bay. Uh, Sidibe was uh, was in as well, and by the 11:15 mark, Mark Dolajag came in to uh, to get on the court for the team. Uh, Dolajag stole the ball with 10:24 to play in the first half, sent the ball underneath the basket to a waiting Tyus Battle, who dunked at home, which made a pros- positive impression of Dolajag that only he only played not not even a minute into the game and had stolen the ball in the full, full court press and then turned right around, had the wherewithal to know that Tyus Battle was underneath the basket, fed him, and it was an easy, high-percentage shot for Tyus Battle. So, nice little showcase by Dolezal early on. That was really the thing that stuck out to me about him. Uh, About Frank Howard, he struggled a lot with the ball. There were multiple times where he had the ball, he was in the lane, he went up in the air, and he fell down holding on to the ball. This is a huge question mark. This is Southern New Hampshire. This should not be happening, first and foremost, and it should definitely not be happening in an exhibition game against a team that you're supposed to take down. So, you know, this is this is a tough. Uh, it was a tough look for Frank Howard in this game. <laughs> it was obviously an issue, and he's going to have to correct it. He's going to have to get better. So he's, he's going to have to move forward and, and figure it out. If he doesn't, he's going to get passed by. And as a junior, that's not going to feel good. So, you know, I mean, at the end of this game, Frank had four, or pardon me, had six turnovers in the game. So, you know, that's something that it, it can't happen. It just simply can't happen. We'll get into that in a minute. But he did struggle holding on to the ball. Sidibe... Four for four from the charity stripes to start off the game. He was able to uh, punch the ball out of Southern New Hampshire's hands for one of his blocks in the first half. He got on the boards on defense. He had four points and four rebounds in eight minutes during the first half. And then uh, Brissett with about six minutes to play before halftime. Back-to-back offensive rebounds and putbacks. That was nice to see. Uh, Tyus Battle doing something really good that might have gone overlooked in this game because it was an exhibition and people were watching the freshman. He scored 14 points in 15 minutes in the first half. Uh, the first half saw all nine of Syracuse's active players get minutes. So, or pardon me, all eight of their active players get minutes. Uh, grad transfer combo guard Geno Thorpe was inactive. And, but Syracuse did not shoot well. Their jump shooting and their three-point shooting was terrible. They came out flat in this exhibition game. 34.44% in the first half, 11 for 32, including 1 for 10 from beyond the arc. So they were 10 for 22 from inside the arc, which is not bad, but they were 1 for 10 from three-point range, 
but they were up 41 to 21 at half. Uh, Frank Howard and Tyus Battle combined for 25 of the team's 41 points at halftime. And the rest of the team, the four true freshmen, Chukwu and Moyer, all six of those players combined for 16 points in the first half. Uh, Chukwu started off the second half with an, th- this was an issue. This will give you an earful from Bayheim in a game that counts. He had his third and fourth foul back to back to start off the second half. There was only 38 seconds into the second half. It was 1922 mark of the second half, and he was already replaced by Sidibe. So that was uh, that was not good for Pascal Chukwu. I would question the offensive foul that was called on him. He tried to pick up an offensive rebound, and he was over top of the player. Did he go over the back, or was he just a tall? You know, so <laughs> I mean, in all and, and and I mean that in all honesty. You know, was he literally just just taller than the other guy? So I called it a height advantage foul, is what I called it when I was tweeting during the game, and and you can follow along with the game any of the games that I'm covering, whether it be the Jaguars, Syracuse basketball, Syracuse football, so on and so forth, you could follow along on Twitter at CallDT. If you don't have Twitter, then go to wakeupcalldt.com and the Who's DT tab has the fan cave. The fan cave has all my live feeds. So even if you're not on Twitter, you could still watch the live feed and you can uh, you can obviously enjoy that and see what I'm saying and what my thoughts are during the game and what my big takeaways are as the game is going on in real time. So Chukwu uh, did come back into the game with under 13 minutes to play. He got fouled. He hung in the air and made a right-handed shot, which is atypical of a seven-footer to do something like that. It was really, really nice. Looked like something that would happen overseas. And it was obviously, at this point, under 13 minutes to play when Chukwu scored, Every single one of Syracuse's eight players had scored. So, and, and that includes five of them experiencing their collegiate debut with Moyer as a redshirt and the four freshmen. Uh, with 2.45 to play and the team up by almost 40 points, Bayheim offered opportunities to walk-ons Patrick Herlihy, uh, Sean Belby, Kai Feldman, and Adrian Autry's son, Adrian Autry Jr. And then the game would conclude in a 30-point victory for Syracuse. My overall thoughts of this game, my overall takeaways from Syracuse's first exhibition game, Barama Sidibe offered tenacity and intelligence underneath. He got after the ball while not getting into foul trouble. He finished the game with 10 points, 8 rebounds, all defensive, and 6 blocks. He almost had a triple-double in the game to go with a mere 2 personal fouls playing in half the game 20 minutes. One area to work on would be the 5 turnovers he committed, though, but all in all, he had a strong presence on the floor in his first collegiate contest. O'Shea Brissett, also in his first contest, was a boost to the Orange offense. We know Syracuse is going to have to get points from somewhere other than Tyus Battle this year, with Tyler Lydon gone, as well as Roberson, who did some good things at times, and of course, Andrew White the third and John Gillen the third all off the team, and Torian Thompson not on the team. So O'Shea and that at the power forward position. So. O'Shea playing power forward. It could be a boost to this Syracuse offense. He was in this game. He led the true freshman 2017 class with 17 points in 27 minutes. He made 60% of his attempts from the field going 6 for 10. Howard Washington Jr. offered a spark from the outside in the second half. The team, as I said before, was only 10% from from the uh, long range in the first half. But he made all of his threes in the second half going three for six from deep overall, giving him 11 points and helping the team to 
show some type of spark from the outside. He had three rebounds, all defensive, two assists, and no turnovers. Again, when people say, well, is Howard Washington going to play that much, Dan? He's a true freshman. This is different. The last two years from Jim Beheim, it's not Jim Beheim can dictate when a freshman plays or this, that, and the other. Or, you know, a grad transfer who's never been on the team, are they going to play? The honesty of it all is Jim's going to have to play his best players. And some of them may be guys that you don't know. And he's got to come to terms with it. you got to come to terms with it. The team needs all the help that they can get. Okay? If we just played returning players, Moyer would be out there who's only experienced this exhibition game. Chukwu, who barely played last season due to injury. Frank Howard, who's been up and down. And Tyus Battle, who's been good and probably going to the NBA after this. That's what you have. <clears throat> so you know you're going to need help. And Howard Washington having no turnovers in his debut is a very positive sign for him. And it's it's putting Frank Howard on notice. Although Frank Howard scored 15 points in 24 minutes, which is a huge positive for Frank because that's that that's not an occurrence that we're used to for Syracuse. But he turned the ball over six times in the game, and you can't do that and stay out there on the floor. The Orange combined in the game to have 16 blocks. This was the biggest story of the night for the team. 16 team blocks with Matthew Moyer, O'Shea Brissett, Pascal Chukwu, Frank Howard, and Barama Sidibe all negating at least one attempt by Southern New Hampshire. Barama with six of the 16. Huge shout out to them and the centers taking care of business in this game blocking shots with Chukwu and Sidibe. So, very, very, very awesome play when it comes to blocking shots and underneath. Barama had the had an amazing debut. O'Shea Brissett had a respectable debut, and so did Howard Washington Jr. Frank Howard had a questionable exhibition game. And Tyus Battle, well, he scored offensively and did some good things there, which the team, which fans have come to expect. We'll take a step aside for a fast break. When we come back, you will hear from the players. Barama Sidibe, as well as Howard Washington Jr., Frank Howard, Tyus Battle, and Matthew Moyer join the show in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrysigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrysigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G 
lady.com. The Market Diner prides itself on bringing the local community fresh ingredients that are better than going elsewhere. Open for breakfast, served all day, lunch and dinner with daily specials. The Market Diner is located at the Regional Market on Park Street, right across from Destiny, USA. For takeout, call 315-474-5247. The Market Diner. Local. Fresh. Better. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513. Or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt.com. DT here in the morning menu proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York in the regional market across from Destiny, USA and the home of the Dan Tortora special Belgian waffle cut in half filled with a bacon egg and cheese omelet. It is my spin on the breakfast sandwich and it is available to you for breakfast, lunch and dinner Monday through Saturday and on Sundays up until 2.30 p.m. because they close a little bit earlier on Sunday. So make sure you pop in there and get yourself the Dan Tortora special and enjoy some of that amazing, amazing colossal sandwich that you can have at any time inside of the Market Diner and exclusively at the Market Diner. So thank you so much to the Market Diner. Thank you to Tony and BC and Elaine and BC for all of the work that they do and everything that they have brought to Central and Upstate New York by working the way that they work. So much respect to them and big thanks to them, and I appreciate them very much so. Here in the morning menu, it is now time to hear from the Syracuse men's basketball players after their first action of the season, albeit an exhibition game. It is an opportunity for them to get out there and get acclimated with one another against somebody else, and this team needs it very much so because, well, there's a lot of newness on the team. We're going to start things out with Matthew Moyer and what he thought about his performance in his first ever game on the court with Syracuse. Uh, it was a good first game. I think it was good just to get out there, like you said, just uh, to play, be out there on the floor, uh, to be with the team, and start to build chemistry uh, on the floor. What were your takeaways personally from your game tonight? It was good. Just got to knock down a few more shots. I think I got, got, got a lot of good open looks. Frank and uh, Tyus, you know, they set me up with some good open looks. Just got to make them. And I, and I'm, I'm, I'm preparing myself for the game, so I should be fine. 
As far as uh, the play underneath by Pascal Chugu, as well as Barama Sedebe, just what you could say about you know their play underneath, their ability to block shots and, and create those opportunities for you guys on the other end. I mean, they're really good. I mean, I don't think they get enough credit. I think the, the ACC, uh, a lot of the people don't give them enough credit. Um, they're really good down there. I mean, they can score. People say they can't score, they can score. People say they can't block shots, they can block shots. People say they can't rebound, they can rebound. I mean, they can do everything that I think a big, big, uh, big man, especially in the ACC. It's tough. It's tough as the league it is. They, uh, they can do everything. So, Barama, six blocks in the game and had a bunch of rebounds as well. Six, six rebounds in the game, I believe, too. Just what you can say about you know what he can be for you guys this season. Uh, you know, Barama's really good. Um, I think definitely underrated as a freshman coming in. I don't think he got enough love by the uh, you know the scouting services, but clearly you can see he's one of the best big men I think you know in the incoming class or the, the freshman class we have this year. Um, you know, he's smart and the block shots and a great motor, and I think he's going to be really underrated in ACC. Howard Washington Jr. as well as O'Shea Brissett, they both brought offense. Howard had three threes in the second half, and O'Shea ended the game with almost 20 points, 17 in the game. Just what you can say about what they do for you offensively, even though we've just seen a little bit. Man, I mean, O'Shea is really good. I mean, uh, he can really fill it up. You know, if he, if he gets it going, man, O'Shea is just as good as anybody in the country. Um, as well as Tyus and as well as, like you said, Howard. Howard is a great shooter. Um, you know, when he gets his feet set, when he, gets, when he gets his feet under him, man, it's money every time. So, you know, when he gets his feet set, I think he's he's one of the best shooters in the country. It's an exhibition game, but you had to wait your turn. So, did you have jitters before? Did you have those butterflies, that feeling? Or was it just all business once you got on the floor? Not really at all. You know, I think at this point, I've waited so long and then, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to go out there and have fun. I'm just happy I'm playing the game. I'm just trying to go out there and have fun. There's no, no jitters, no nothing. I'm just I'm just blessed to be out there and playing the game I love and, uh, you know, with the team I love. So, you know what, it's no, no jitters. I felt good today. Just got to make, make a few more shots, but I felt good. That coming once again from Matthew Moyer, red shirt freshman for Syracuse, playing at the small forward position when he came out in the starting five for the team. As Beheim said, he is the most experienced forward on the team, although he is a red-shirted player because they don't have Torian Thompson and they don't have Tyler Lydon and they don't have Tyler Roberson. So it really is that way because you have O'Shea Brissett, who's going to have to come in as a true freshman, and you have Matthew Moyer. And then... It depends on where you want to put Merrick Dolezal and, and move forward from there. So it, it really is the truth of the matter that the experience of being with the team for over a year goes to Matthew Moyer, despite the fact that Matthew had yet to play in a game until last night. Uh, somebody who is the veteran of the team more than anybody else is Frank Howard. He's been up and down in play over his two seasons at Syracuse. He did a really nice job in the 2016 trip to the Final Four, made some jump shots that people did not expect from him, and obviously had some good passes and some good moments. He's done some good things. He's had some trying times. In this game, as aforementioned today, he had six turnovers. Well, here is his response to what he took away from the exhibition game against Southern New Hampshire. Yeah, just getting back in the, in the groove with the team, new team, you know, uh, just to anticipate. I think I was anticipating too much tonight, you know, uh, just trying to make my mind up a little bit too early, you know, uh, expecting certain things to be there, certain plays, and certain guys to move certain ways. So, but that's on me, you know, I got to control the game better. And, uh, that'll come, but I'm happy with how the guys play, how we defend it, and uh, we're on the right path. Even though it's an exhibition game, what can you learn from this? What is your kind of immediate thing on your mind at this point? Just that experience, you know. Uh, 
you're having the young guys out there under the lights, you know, having under actual game. Like you see it with the differences, at least from being a player standpoint. So you know, we, we came out uh, a little sluggish, a little out of out of sync, you know, trying to figure some things out. And, uh, but but like our defense was there, and that's what held us down, and uh, that's what we want to hang our hat on all year. Mark was able to do some things. Barama was able to block, I think, six yeah. shots in the game. O'Shea scored throughout the game, mm -hmm. had almost 20 in the game, and then Howard was able to hit some threes as right. well. Just what you could say about how each of the freshmen got involved and were able to kind of find a place to help out. They're talented, man. You know, you can see what what they all bring to the table. You know, how we can help get me off the ball a little bit. You know, kind of give me some space to, to maneuver and work, and he can score himself, and you can find guys. And Barama's going to do that every night. You know, block shots, him and Pete. So, uh, and O'Shea is, is who he is. You know, he's just scored a ball and very versatile. So, you know, and uh, Marek gave us good minutes tonight too. You know, uh, he didn't score a lot, but he did. He did a lot of dirty work, and uh, I'm proud of all those guys. So, you know, they're talented and uh, they'll contribute early. Lastly, for me, Tyus Battle is obviously mm -hmm. the the familiar face you have out yeah. there. How much do you feel you can? I know it's only one game, one exhibition, but mm -hmm. leaning on one another. Just what you could say about knowing that he's going to be out there. Yeah, you know, the first game. You know, uh, I feel like we were on a good pace together tonight, you know, uh, as the game went on, you know, just from, it's coming together, you know, just the different roles, the different positions, different areas and spots we're in, so, you know, uh, the first game, you know, uh, I'm proud of where we are, I'm proud of how everybody played, you know, and we'll always be there for each other, so, you know, we just, we're still learning too. That coming once again from Frank Howard, who had a little bit of a trying time in this game. I know fans are, are nervous about that because they want to see an improvement from Frank Howard and, and six turnovers is not not showing improvement, especially in an exhibition game, but you get the jitters out. He said he's more confident. This is a new chapter, new era, hence why he has a new number. And, you know, knowing Frank for the last three years, I would say, a little bit over three years, that, you know, I really hope that he gets things right because he is a guy that's out there trying and he is pushing himself, and I do believe that he cares very much so. The other veteran on the team, even though he's a true sophomore, is Tyus Battle, and when I was at ACC Media Days, I had spoken with Tyus and Frank, and you're going to be able to watch all those videos uh, today on the website. I have a ton to air because I spoke with all 15 schools, so there's a lot coming up, but I had an opportunity to speak with Frank, and Frank said... That the offense, he's like, we're going to, this team this year is going to run through Tyus. And so I asked Tyus, does he feel that pressure on his shoulders? And this is what he had to say. Um, I mean, I, I don't, but I know I have to put the ball in the basket. I know, I know that's why I have to do this year. Uh, it's more, more of a role I had to do this year than last year. Uh, but I, I don't feel any pressure on my shoulders or anything like that. You know, I've been playing this game for a little bit of time now, and I had to put the ball in the basket on a lot of different teams, so I'm not, I'm not worried about that at all. When you don't have Andrew White, John Gillen, and Tyler Lyon, a bunch of guys that were making shots last season, and it's, and it's on you to move forward, what can you say about the guys that people don't know? I mean, do you feel that there's firepower on this team? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, Frank Frank became a better scorer. Uh, O'Shea could put the ball in the basket. Um, Matt can, can get going and stuff like that. So we, we definitely have guys who can put the ball in the basket and create shots. 
Smith and Gina when he comes back, Howard, put, knocked on some threes today. So I'm not, I know people don't know the roster yet, but they, they will, and I'm not worried about it at all. Barama, six blocks in the game. He only had two fouls. He had a bunch of rebounds. He was going after the loose ball in the middle of the court. Just what you could say about his tenacity and also his smartness and, and being, able to, being able to go after the ball, but knowing when to and then when to obviously not commit the foul. I mean, that's what we want him to do. Um, he's, he's been doing that stuff in practice. He doesn't really need. He doesn't even really need to score like that. You know, just get get some rebounds, put it back in, stuff like that. Uh, but if he has the ball, he can be aggressive. But we really want him to block shots, get rebounds, and just be that rim protector. And, and he proved that tonight. And I, th I thought he played great tonight. Even though it's an exhibition game, your teammates were talking about starting out sluggish and then coming out in the second half. What started to click in the second half? Was it just having a couple minutes to sit down and, and think about what was going on and the fact that you needed more out of each other? I mean, what did it in the second half? Uh, I mean, I, I think people just had to get, I mean, it's the first time playing in the Dome, really, against another team. So that that's always going to uh, have an effect on things. But they just had to get the jitters down. I think once we got in our press a little bit and saw the ball go in the basket, I think that's when the game turned around. I think we're up by like 20 going into the, in the halftime. So uh, that's going to happen for any team, and I'm not, I wasn't worried about that at all. Tyus Battle, the true freshman soft or true sophomore, I should say, played as a true freshman last year, was huge to the team, was the only real returning scorer for the team. It wasn't Pascal. Pascal didn't play in a lot of games. Matthew Moyer was redshirted. Frank Howard was up and down. So the uh, you know, as far as returning offense, there's only one player, and that's Tyus Battle. And obviously, you know, he's taking it in stride, doing what he's got to do, and like and you know, and speaking with him and seeing his body language. You know, he looks relaxed. He doesn't look like he's playing with pressure. He just looks like, hey, man, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do my thing. I'm not trying to think about this and think about that. I'm just trying to play my game. And that is the sign of somebody who, you know, is is definitely establishing some leadership and having that amount of confidence in yourself where you can relax and, and not feel the stress of it all because stress is what kills you. You know, big, big ups to Tyus Battle for that. Howard stayed in the backcourt. Howard Washington, Jr., I want to get his first takeaways from his first ever collegiate game, and this is what he had to say. I mean, we look great. Like uh, the, the press definitely helped us a lot, and I think even the coaching staff was impressed by how well we, we played and you know, we practiced it every day. So the press is a good thing for us, and uh, we need to get get going a little bit earlier. It was kind of stagnant and slow in the beginning. You know, we didn't maybe look, look for some different offenses when guys or teams are switching like that on our, our pick and roll. Because a lot of our offenses, you know, pick and roll orientated, ball screen orientated. So uh, just we, I felt like we played good today. We came out second half and you know, like a 20-0 run or something like that. We ended up playing well, so we played pretty good today. Syracuse has been known to utilize the press but then come back from it. Do you anticipate or are you hoping kind of the game plan is to be able to go into it more often even though you weren't here last year? Just kind of from past years we don't see it as much. Do you think maybe there'll be more pressing? I mean I think so. Uh, it looked really well today. Um, so I think you know, until, you know, don't, fix, doesn't, don't fix it if it's not broken. So just keep working. We're forcing turnovers and just getting our offense going. I think we should, we should keep doing it for sure. The team was one for ten from three-point range in the first half. Then you were able to hit a bunch. You went three for six for the game, but made all three in the second. 
second half. Just what you can say about getting your shot out there, getting comfortable, and being able to be a spark for the team when they were struggling from outside. Uh, I mean, personally, I think it was just first game jitters for me, you know, getting out there, playing in front of the people. We played the orange and white game, but, you know, there was half as many people there. Yeah. So I think just getting out, playing in this atmosphere, uh, the first half definitely helped me. You know, I missed 0 for 5 or whatever like that. But then, like I said, encouragement from guys like Frank, you know, coach at halftime, talking to me, telling me, you know, just play, shoot the ball. So, uh, I mean, I came out, knocked a couple shots down, and it definitely sparked us off the bench and sparked, sparked our, our run. You say the, the jitters of being in front of more people than the orange and white game. Chance 30,000 people will show up again. Just yeah. what your thoughts are about those those moments that could be coming? Well, I mean, now I think it's, I mean, it'll be the same. Now that I got the atmosphere, I mean, it'll probably be the same as the second or the, the, today's game. <clears throat> like, personally, I mean, now I got the jitters out and I'm going to, you know, next game's coming up in the first half and be ready to play right away. O'Shea Brissett, somebody who you're obviously very comfortable with and you guys know each other's games. He had 17 points in this game, was able to do some good things offensively and be a spark at times. Just what you can say about how he played in this game and, and if you anticipated him to be able to help right away. Well, actually, before, we were talking before the game and he was saying how he was nervous. He was like, he was shaking. He was so the same thing. Me and him were a freshman coming in, haven't played on this atmosphere before. Um, but I, mean, I think he got settled really quickly. Uh, he missed a, couple, a bunch of his first shots too as well. And it came out, you know, got a couple of transition layups, transition dunks, rebound putbacks, and I just got him going. And that's the type of player, you know, the type of player he is get on transition, finish, rebounds, get it off the dribble. And then once he got going, knock down a three. You know, once he gets going, I think that's for, I mean, everybody who plays basketball, once you get going, you just got to get into the game. Barama had six blocks in the game and only had two fouls, so he was tenacious, but also smart. Just what you could say about what he can be for you guys. I mean, he's great. He's, he's, I mean, people label him as raw, I guess, but he has a lot of, a lot of potential. I love him. I love him off the court, on the court, but um, I mean, he was impressive today. It's easy you know, on guards and the wing players when you have guys who can erase shots at the rim like that, so it's definitely helpful, and I, mean, I think he's going to continue to keep doing that. That's his role. That's what he's doing. To go from Howard Washington in the backcourt to Barama Sidibe of the front court, he is the player of the game for me in this game. I mean, obviously, I know points weren't crazy, but like I said, he was almost at a triple-double. He had 10 points, 8 rebounds, all defensive, and he had six blocks in the game. Ten points, eight rebounds, six blocks in his opening game. And I started with Barama on the six blocks and the hand-eye coordination and just what him and I have spoken about before, just what he can say to that. I mean, obviously, he looked like he his timing was down perfectly in this game. I mean, blocking shot is something like a gift to me because since I was in high school, I kind of did that pretty well. So I'm getting like, try to focus, do the same thing here. So the more block, the more shot I block, the more time I'm going to stay on the call because I'm kind of new here. So, <laughs> And not only blocking shots, but remaining out of foul trouble. You only had a couple fouls in the game. Didn't pick up your first one until I think 17, 15 left in the game. Just what you can say about being tenacious, but also not fouling the other guy. Yeah, sometimes I realize I have to understand it's not like everything try to blow shot sometimes I try to make like difficult shot for my offensive players so when you have a, a difficult shot I just keep straight so not getting five foul trouble even though it's an exhibition game you had a lot of tenacity out there you're going after rebounds you're going after the shot or you're going after the ball in the open court as well as the block shots just what you can say about how much you wanted to sh show coach Beheim show the team even though it's an exhibition yeah, game. I just want to show him that I'm ready because like, I'm coming after the bench so I gotta do a lot of a lot of it better 
better than everybody, so to make sure I get a playing time. But seeing Pascal and what he was able to do, do you guys kind of talk to each other when you get those opportunities coming in for yeah. one another? Yeah, we usually talk to each other. He pushed me a lot, so he's kind of brother to me, so he pushed me a lot. This is a wake-up call fast break. Hey, Wake Up Call listeners, this is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We proudly open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalware. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. You heard from the Syracuse Orange. I want to thank all of them in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. You heard from every single one of them in a timeless classic you can always go back to with Syracuse's 2017-18 preview, so to speak. Which uh, You know, you think about going through a book. Well, this was essentially like flipping through a media guide, but you get to listen to it. That is available to you and downloadable for you on wakeupcalldt.podbean.com. Dot com with all 10 of Syracuse's players, including Elijah Hughes, who has to sit out this season because he is a uh, transfer that's under class, that's an underclassman from East Carolina. Geno Thorpe from South Florida, he's in there too, plus all the freshmen and the returning players. On today's show, I want to give a special thanks once again to Matthew Moyer, redshirt freshman forward, Frank Howard, junior point guard, Tyus Battle, sophomore shooting guard, Howard Washington, Jr., 
f- true freshman point guard, and Barama Sidibe, the true freshman center, who almost had a triple-double, 10 points, 8 rebounds, 6 blocks in his debut. So hello to the young freshman. We are now at a point in the show that I always get very excited for. That's because I, I love the man, and I love talking sports with him, talking about anything with him, and that is Papa Joe, and it is Papa Joe's Picks here for you. He was not here last week. He was helping out the family of a friend who had passed on because that is what Papa Joe does. I know he doesn't accept a lot of accolades, and if you try to give him something, uh, if you try to give him an award, he hands it back to somebody else. But I'm going to say thank you for what he's done for me, for obviously this family, and for people all over as as a former teacher. So we welcome him into the show to discuss college football in an ever important week 10 with the college football playoff rankings coming out for the first time this week. And, uh, and, and, and first and foremost, we thank Papa Joe for everything that he does for other people. Thank you. Good morning, Daniel. Now, Papa Joe, I know that you were watching college football this past weekend, and I know that you were paying attention to the Penn State and the Ohio State game. Now, we discussed it uh, on yesterday's show with Justin Turner. Penn State last season, Penn State got past Ohio State, played in the Big Ten Championship, beat Wisconsin, and then got screwed out of the college football playoff. So I said, should it not be righted this year? And if Ohio State plays Wisconsin and beats Wisconsin while Penn State watches, the Penn State gets to go. They lose by a point in Ohio, and they go from two in the country to seventh. Clemson lost to an unranked Syracuse, and they're in the college football playoff top four right now. Agree or disagree with the way that things are in the first ranking? Oh, it's tough. You know, the, there's so much parity up in the Big Ten now. Uh, I watched that game, and I get you know I watched Urban, Urban Meyer for years at the University of Florida, and I saw something. I saw some calmness about him, even though they were uh, getting shellacked at the time. Uh, he's got a he's got an older quarterback. He's a man, 23 years old, uh, and he saw with him. The ability to keep chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. Uh, Penn State is not on this type of situation before, in my opinion. Uh, it was a fabulous game, incredible. But, you know, midway through the fourth quarter, you could see that Ohio State was building too much momentum. And the Penn State kids just couldn't stick with it. So, uh, Penn State being uh, demoted like that, uh, so-so. Uh, Ohio State being where they are. They'll be in the they'll be in the final four. In in with Ohio State, I mean, they win by a point in this game. Do do you see? I mean, Penn State is is making a case that you know last year they deserved it, and you know what the committee did for them last year is say, well, you know, we're not going to rank you in the top five the whole the whole college football playoff ranking until the very end, and we're going to put you at number five, and we're going to make you feel really good that you almost made it. And because you almost made it, our gift to you is to play in the Rose Bowl against USC in a home game for their team. You're the higher-ranked team. You're the number five, but you have to go play USC in California. So it was like smack after smack after smack last year. Do you think Penn State should have been at least treated better last season? I think that's true. I think Coach Franklin did a marvelous job over there. Uh, the last three years, he's had 
top five recruiting uh, kids, and uh, this year he should he, he's got a shot this weekend. It's going to be marginal. He's got a shot this weekend. Wisconsin, I don't think, is as good as their record shows. Uh, they haven't played anyone. They're too one-dimensional. Uh, I don't look for them to be there at the end. I still think it's between Ohio State and Penn State to sneak in. So that coming from Papa Joe and Papa Joe's Picks signature segment here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner. Clemson is number four. Uh, I think you can make a case that Ohio State should be there right now with, with defeating Penn State. You can make a case for Oklahoma, who is five right now. Uh, what do you think about Clemson? I mean, they're seven and one, but this is a team that had to beat Boston College in the fourth quarter in Death Valley, in Clemson, this is also a team who lost to Syracuse, who's been unranked all season and unranked for a very long time. You know, their win over Auburn is nice. The win over Louisville loses some luster because Louisville has no defense. And then they have no other uh, ranked wins except for, I think the big-time one is Virginia Tech, 31-17. to So Virginia Tech helps them, Auburn helps them, but is it enough to put them number four and keep them in the college football playoff? That's a tough question. Uh, Clemson playing this weekend at North Carolina State is going to go a long way to, to solving that problem. Um, I look for NC State to upset Clemson in this game. Clemson, uh, Dabo Sweeney, he's another motivator, you know. He's, he's a kind of a rah-rah guy, and I don't know if he's going to be able to, to lift his team up enough to beat a real solid North Carolina State team this weekend. Uh, so I think he's in a little bit of trouble. Uh, if he marginally beats North Carolina State or loses, he's done. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I got to feel the same way about this. I have North Carolina State winning this game in Raleigh. Uh, I've I've been waiting for this game. I, I circled as I as I told you, I circled November fourth uh, a couple weeks ago as things started to shake out and said, well, it's 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 clear in the ACC that November fourth is going to decide who plays in the ACC championship game. It's going to be Clemson or NC State in the Atlantic. It's going to be Virginia Tech or Miami in the Coastal. It is It is very clear. NC State is above Clemson right now. Miami is a hair above Virginia Tech. Whoever wins this game owns the tiebreaker. They do what they got to do for the rest of the season. It's going to be NC State, Virginia Tech, Clemson, Miami, or one, you know a little bit of a mixture, NC State, Miami, Clemson, Virginia Tech. So it could be any one of those, those matchups, but this weekend is going to decide it. What do I think about Clemson? You know, I think I, I think you're right. I think if Clemson loses to NC State, who the committee has not given much a, of any respect to, they've ranked them in the first college football playoff rankings. NC State is 20th. I think they deserve to be a lot higher than that. You know, I think I think they could very arguably be in the top 17. I think UCF at seven and zero should be a little bit higher than 18th because of the way they played and what they've done. And if Wisconsin's going to play nobody and be ninth, then you can't argue that Central Florida doesn't deserve to be higher than that because Central Florida has played Navy at Navy and beaten them, played a top 25 team in Memphis, where Wisconsin's just kind of rolling through the season like a Conference USA team would be looked at in the, in the rankings, but they're number nine. So, you know, I, I don't agree with these rankings top to bottom. I think Miami is above Wisconsin. I think Oklahoma State, Washington, Virginia Tech, Auburn, arguably UCF, LSU. There's all these teams that I think, you know, toe-to-toe with Wisconsin, who, like you said, could be one-dimensional and hasn't played anybody. 
you know, that's, that's, that's a big question mark with Wisconsin. And, and I don't think that they've done anything to earn a right in the college football playoff. Uh, as far as Clemson goes, Papa Joe, if they lose this game to NC state, which, which I have anticipated, they will. I, I don't see Clemson when getting into the college football playoff. I think if they win by a hair, they shouldn't get in. If it's overtime, if it's one point, if it's a last second field goal, but last year, NC State missed a last second field goal against Clemson. They went to overtime, and that game would have kept them out, but it didn't. And Clemson not only got in, but they got to, you know, they rolled all the way to a championship. So, you know, NC State could have could have knocked Clemson out last year. I think beating NC State by a hair last year wasn't good enough to say, look at me, I'm, I'm, I'm this, you know, big dog on campus. But... You know, they lose to NC State this time around, or they beat them by a point or three points or at the end of the game. I don't think that Clemson should be in. I don't think they should be in right now with a loss to Syracuse and and, and, and really just beating Boston College in one quarter. So, you know, I, I, I think NC State will take care of business. If they do, I know the committee will still try and find a way to, to squeeze Clemson in, but there's no way you can argue that they should be in. I agree. You know, NC, but I want to go to these two games. So uh, Clemson is playing at NC State. We, we've described uh, uh, what we thought would happen in that game. We think NC State will win. They're 4-0 in the conference. They would be 5-0. and They would be 5-0 and in the conference, and uh, Clemson would be 5-2, and and NC State would be 7-2 and overall, and Clemson would be 7-2 and as well. Uh, NC State should shoot up from 20 in a big way in the rankings, at least to, to 13 or 12 or something if they beat Clemson. Uh, and then moving forward, we have Miami and Virginia Tech in Virginia. What do you think about uh, about this match? Or pardon me, in Miami. What do you think about this matchup? Tough game. Uh, Bookie's got this as a toss-up. Uh, two really good quarterbacks, Rossier and Josh Jackson. I think VT's defense is going to be a little, a little too tough for Miami. I think Miami is going to be exposed this, this weekend. They slipped by a few teams they should have beat handily. Uh, I think Virginia Tech wins this, Daniel. Yeah, you know, I, I have Virginia Tech in this game as well. I mean, I covered Justin Fuente and when he was at Memphis, and, and I spent a lot of time around him and really just marveled at the fact that he made Memphis a, a household name to to a lot of houses that never talked about it before. He, he brought some respect to Memphis, and, and Memphis is obviously – move forward with that with Mike Norvell, their new head coach. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, what he's done and, and what he left in Memphis says a lot about the type of coach he is and what he has done with Virginia Tech. I mean, last season, if they if there was five more minutes, four more minutes to that game against Clemson, we're talking about Virginia Tech winning that game. And, and just like NC State, if, if Virginia Tech gets that win, does Clemson get bumped out of the college football playoff and never get a chance to to win it. So, you know, I think I think that uh, Virginia Tech definitely uh, this year is is strong once again. I think that they learned from that loss to to uh to Clemson in the rematch of of that uh, ACC Championship game that they played in the regular season here. I think you have to learn from that and you have to move forward. It's the only loss that they have in the conference this season. They have defeated Boston College, which turns out to be a good win in BC. 
They beat North Carolina, who's been terrible. They beat Duke, who's been up and down. Uh, they beat West Virginia earlier this season. And, you know, I think, yeah, Miami, Miami, listen, Syracuse beat themselves more than Miami beat them. Syracuse, Syracuse lost the game because Eric Dungy tried to win it all on every play. He ran too much. He jarred himself by all those hits that he took. It was just a, a very confusing and frustrating end of the game. It was great for Miami. You get a couple interceptions early on in the game. It's hard for a team to come back from that. So their defense did some good things. But you got to think about this. Miami won that game by eight. When the way Syracuse played in the first half, they should have won that game by 30. They should have won that game by two touchdowns, three touchdowns minimum. And they didn't. Now they're playing a team in Virginia Tech that doesn't take any prisoners and doesn't apologize. And I think Miami's finally going to feel what it's what it's like to lose this season in that game. You're right. The Tech's defense is going to be awesome this this weekend. And that will put us in a situation where where Miami and Virginia Tech are going to you know flip flop. In my opinion, Virginia Tech. I mean, Virginia Tech. If they win, would be four and one. Miami would be five and one. So Miami would have more conference wins only because Virginia Tech has played less conference games. But Virginia Tech owns the tiebreaker, which I think will ultimately stand at the end of the season uh, with Virginia Tech being that team. If they win this game, I think it, you know, it can flip-flop things. And NC State, <clears throat> they'll have no losses. Clemson will have two. So we could see an NC State-Virginia Tech ACC championship or an NC State-Miami still potentially. But either way, we're going to see NC State on, on the other side if they beat Clemson, Papa Joe. How, how crazy... And how amazing is that for the fans in Raleigh, North Carolina, to see NC State at the top? That's right. NC State, of course, started out the year by uh, handily beating Florida State at Florida State, which brings up your boys at Syracuse at FSU this weekend. Yeah. Well, Syracuse is going up against FSU in this game, and this is a game that you know fans normally chalk up as a loss. I went to the First time that Syracuse played Florida State inside of the ACC, which is a few seasons ago. It was one of the ugliest games I've ever seen in my life. It was uh, it was treacherous. It was embarrassing. And, you know, I can honestly say the Syracuse fans left in the fourth quarter, but the FSU fans, they stuck around. Syracuse lost the game 59-3 to against then number two Florida State. And, uh, and and Syracuse struggled in that game. They were able to get a bo- get to a bowl game that season, but this is a different Syracuse team. Uh, this is also a very different Florida State team. I think you can agree with me, Papa Joe, that Florida State is having undoubtedly the worst season they've ever had against Jimbo Fisher and one of the worst seasons they have had in a very long time. They are two and five overall. They are two and four inside of the ACC. They've lost to Miami, uh, or pardon me, yeah, they lost to uh, they, yeah, they lost to Miami. They lost to Alabama in the game I was at. They lost to NC State, as you mentioned. They lost to Louisville. They just lost to Boston College, thirty-five to three, and now they have Syracuse. And for once in Syracuse's life, they didn't draw the twelve twenty or noon time. That's Florida State's fault to get that crappy time. So the. <laughs> The most undesirable time on a Saturday is noon, 1220, 1230. 
So, uh, Sari, and I always say that, you know, you're playing to alcoholics only in those games because people are trying to drink at 10 a.m. So, you know, this game, I I really honestly believe if Syracuse comes into Florida State the way that they played Clemson, then we're going to see another bruising game from an old Big East team like we saw with Boston College and Syracuse. If if Syracuse comes in and plays flat, it's going to be different. What were you saying? FSU is a real enigma this year. Uh, you know, losing their quarterback early. Uh, they bring a freshman kid in, two freshmen, and frankly, he hasn't handled it that well. He's, I'm sure he's going to be a good one because most of the athletes that go to FSU are are really good, really good. And I think the talent level, I think the talent level is catching up to FSU and Clemson. Uh, you, this league is really strong, really strong. I got to pick up that shoe in this game. It, they're at home. Uh, this is it. They, they've been brutal. And you know, being me being from Florida and University of Florida, listen to all of FSU stuff that comes down the road. Uh, they're not real happy with Jimbo up there. Uh, there's no reason to be two and five with a talent level that FSU has. FSU used to just win games on on defense. So much quick, quicker and faster than most of the teams that they played. Uh, I, I like FSU. Of course, my heart is with Syracuse, but I think SSU uh, sneaks through on this one, Daniel. Yeah, you know this this is a this is a hard one for me to look at because if you look at Florida State and you look at their two wins to five losses and two and four in the conference and they're the bottom of the barrel in the Atlantic Division, which is normally reserved for Boston College or Wake Forest. You know, it's a very surprising and confusing topsy-turvy ACC this year. The Coastal looks like it makes more historical sense. The Atlantic makes no sense. NC State's one, Clemson's two, BC's three, SU's five, Wake is six, Louisville's seven, or pardon me, uh, NC State's one, Clemson two, BC three, Syracuse four, Wake five, Louisville six, Florida State seven. So, you know, it's a very, very uh, interesting season so far. You know, Louisville plays no defense, and Florida State played less defense, which was which was very dangerous. Uh, Blackman threw two interceptions. They lost that game at home as well, 31-28. to And losing to Louisville this year is different in, than in previous years because Louisville has fallen out of the grace of the rankings. Their defense is nowhere to be found. They do not have that national you know, that national limelight and there's not a lot of respect for the way that's, that they've been carrying this team this season. They're five and three, but it's a very ugly, or pardon me, five and four. It's a very ugly five and four for Louisville. And they like Florida state are only two and four in the conference. And it's not good for Louisville to be like, well, one of those two wins is against Florida state who's below us. So, you know, the way that I look at this, Syracuse could win their next four games, which is at Florida state, home against Wake, at Louisville, home against Boston College. They could lose all four, or they could win half of them. Uh, The way that I look at this for Syracuse, I'm going to pick them to beat Florida State in this game. My gut is is that Florida State is going to make this a pain-in-the-butt game. Uh, My gut is is that this is going to be dirty. This is going to be long. This is maybe not going to be, you know, the. it's just not going to feel good. But if there's ever been a year for Syracuse to take down Florida State, do it while you got an opportunity to do it. Uh, Syracuse is going to be playing without their starting safety and their backup safety. 
with Antoine Cordy and Jordan Martin both being out for the rest of the season. Uh, Cordy's been out for a while. They've been able to win without him. They beat Clemson without him. But uh, Jordan Martin was filling in space, and that's that's a tough break because Jordan transferred over from Toledo and was really looking to finish out his career in a good way. So my my thoughts and prayers go out to the gentleman. I know Antoine's got some got some time left at Syracuse, and Jordan, you know, it'll be tough moving forward. But, you know, do I think Florida State can win this game? Absolutely. Do I think they could shock and win 35-3 to and flip the script from last week? Absolutely. But Syracuse's offense, if they can do what they did against Clemson offensively and defensively, Florida State is in for hell at this at this time. And, you know, and, and Syracuse, you know, Dino's taking no prisoners right now. You don't want to go home and say we have to win these two home games to get a bowl game. So I'm going to give it to Syracuse. It's going to be a slight edge, but I'm telling you, this is a razor sharp game, Papa Joe. Yep, Dungy's going to be in for it too. There's two of FSU's back uh, backfields, defensive backfields, are top ten picks according to the draft Knicks. So uh, they don't look like it, but that's what they're saying. So I, I look, Dungy's got to come through. Uh, if he can beat these two quarterbacks, uh, he'll be fine. And FSU losing again uh, in the state. I think Jimbo's going to have some serious problems. Uh, as, if I can address my school, the Gator Nation. Yes. Uh, University of Florida has been put through holy hell in the last couple of weeks. A uh, lot of situations over there in Gainesville that most of the people don't understand or maybe don't want to understand. Uh, Coach Mack was brought in to give, give a little spice to the, to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, we've had two defensive coaches, Ron Zook, and um, Phil Mushamp, boring, boring football for the last seven or eight years. There's no fun in it anymore. Florida used to be fun to watch. Fun with Steve Spurrier's fun and done. Fun with Urban Meyer. He knew Urban Meyer gave up Notre Dame to come to Florida because of the talent level down here and the way that he could recruit Florida. And he did it four years. He got two national championships. So, that's what the new AD is looking to do. They need a splash at Florida. Uh, maybe maybe not a, a an old-time coach like Les Miles or someone like that, but someone, someone with an offensive mind that can unlock these kids. Florida's got a deep, deep talent base, too, just like FSU and Miami, the state. Uh, who, who turns them around? It's difficult to say. Uh, Coach Randy Shannon, uh, we know, coached Miami for a couple of years. Uh, didn't do really well down there. Bounced around the, couple, the country a little bit. Uh, wound up at Florida. And he's going to be the interim head coach. Now, in saying that, maybe Florida has a little bit of a bounce here. They still have to score. The same players are still going to play quarterback and defense. Uh, I know Florida lost their leading rusher this year. Just last week, a freshman, true freshman. So, that being said, Florida is at Missouri, another dull team. But I think their dullness is going to beat our dullness. So I look for I look for Missouri to beat Florida, and a very very emotional game for the University of Florida and all the Gator Nation. Yeah, you know, uh, Papa Joe, you guys, uh, you know, the Florida Gators, Gator Nation has gone through a lot lately. Uh, I addressed some of it. As as uh, as you know on the show, 
I've had to address Jim McElwain. Now, I told you at driving, uh, driving to Jacksonville, I was on the phone with you a few weeks ago, and I was like, remember when, you know, I, I said out, I was like, I said it at the beginning of the year, and I'm going to say it now. I don't think Jim McElwain and Florida are going to make sense anymore together. And and they don't, and uh, and they they haven't. It is a very strange way, you know. The the are they faux death threats? Were they real? You know uh, what was going on? It's a very strange way to end the season, or or end the career, or end the career, I should say, with Jim McElwain with Florida because you're firing him mid year. You are firing him after allegations that don't seem like there's any factual evidence on top of the fact that the team is losing and, and, you know, that's, that's very difficult and very hard. Uh, most people in the poll that I took agreed with the firing of Jim McElwain. However, they did not agree with the firing of Jim McElwain in the middle of the season. Uh, they are on a three game losing streak to LSU, Texas A&M and Georgia. And, uh, the, the irony and comedy, but also sadness of the sec is that just like Les miles, when you lose three games in a row, it doesn't matter what in the hell you did. It doesn't matter if you tied the record of most wins in your first two seasons at Florida and in Florida Gators history. Doesn't matter if you go to back-to-back SEC title games. What matters is what have you done for me lately? And you could hoist a trophy one day, lose a game the next day, be fired the third day, and and you know what is it about the SEC that if you lose three games in a row, the coaches just seem to see the door real quick. That's not fair, is it? Uh, of course, firing Coach Mack in the, in the middle of the season is bad for the kids. Uh, there, there's a lot more to it than people understand, just not X's and O's and wins and losses. Uh, there were some personality problems down there, and he really didn't fit in. He, he just wasn't part of the team. Uh, I think he offended some people uh, the way he acts. He's a gregarious guy, wonderful guy to talk to and listen to. He's always got a smile on his face. Uh, he, he just didn't fit in. Uh, but the administration losing him in the middle of the, of the year, um, I thought that was in poor taste. Uh, Coach Matt made some bad moves, uh, personality-wise and uh, otherwise. He, he made some bad moves. He recruited well. He's got a number seven recruiting class so far this year. And as we speak, all the kids are still hanging in there uh, because they know they're going to get an offer by his coach. Now, who's that going to be? Is it going to be Scott Frost? Is it going to be Dan Millen? Uh, it's going to be tough to – That's it. look, this is a plum job. Let's face it. This is a pl- probably one of the five best jobs in the country where you've got the, you've got the fan base and you've got the, the, the recruiting base in Florida where three-quarters of the kids are Florida athletes are on the roster. Three-quarters of the kids are Florida. Now, that being said, if Mr. Frost decides to leave USF and come over and turn things around, allow the deep, allow the offense to, to grow, use the speed kids that he's got, turn things around, do things different instead of just blah, 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 blah. Coach Matt was hired to bring in offense, he didn't do it. And he knows that. And he takes responsibility for that. But it can go on. First of all, Florida's not going to hire anyone now. They may not hire anyone before the end of the season's over. And they may wait till the season's totally over with all the bowl games. I don't know, but something has to be done quickly. 
my contacts are telling me it's those two coaches that they're after. Yeah, you know, and 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 moving forward with Florida, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a tough road ahead. Like you said, it's a great job to have, but you know, the SEC and, and when I made the statement last season and. You know that the ACC top to bottom is the toughest conference uh, this season. It makes even more sense because Louisville and Florida State are literally at the bottom, and NC State and Boston College and Syracuse are moving toward the top. Miami is back with it in less than two years with Mark Rick back. Virginia Tech is doing very well after Frank Beamer with Justin Fuente and merging his assistant coaches with assistant coaches that were there. Georgia Tech is back on it. Virginia was 5-1. and one. Yeah, they've lost the last two, but they've done some good things in the second year of Bronco Mendenhall. Pittsburgh could still make a bowl game. When you go down to the SEC and you look at what's happened to them so far, you anticipate that Missouri may be looking for a new coach. Tennessee may be looking for a new coach. Vanderbilt may be looking for a new coach. Ole Miss, Arkansas may be looking for new coaches. Texas A&M may be looking for a new coach. So, you know, you don't have that in the ACC. You don't have six you know, four to six, three to six teams looking for a new coach, and I didn't even include Florida in that. So, you know, you put that all together and say, you know, when you look at the amount of teams that are inside of, of both of these conferences, 14 in the ACC, 14 in the SEC, yet half of the SEC, seven of those teams could be looking for new coaches either now or by the end of the season. I agree with that. Wholeheartedly, I agree with that. Uh, one thing I don't understand uh, with the SEC and with the bowl committee or the playoff committee, how can how they can put Alabama in front of Georgia? I don't get it. I don't get it. Alabama this week is a three touchdown favorite over LSU, which is no, which is a that's not right. That's not right. That's not going to be right. There's no way that, that Alabama's three touchdowns better than LSU. But anyway, getting back to that, uh, Alabama falling behind Georgia. Georgia is a fine team. Uh, they're a running team. They have a freshman quarterback. Uh, so, they, you know, they live in him. And you, you just use the run, like just mowed over Florida last weekend. But Alabama being ranked behind Georgia, I can't see that. This championship, as usual, runs through Nick Saban. I don't care what conference you're in or what, what your conference is doing as opposed to other conferences. This championship will be run and I mean, and that's something that you bring up that I was going to, you know, work in here in the conclusion of Papa Joe's picks is the fact that, you know, it is very strange in the rankers to see that Georgia has overtaken Alabama. The argument is that Georgia has a win over Notre Dame, who's only gotten better. And so that, I mean, that seems to be the argument. They beat them 20 to 19 on the road at South Bend and, you know, Alabama on their side, the wins that they have, they don't have a win against a ranked team and Florida State's win doesn't look like anything. So what they're saying essentially is Georgia beat Notre Dame, who we think is third best in the country, and Alabama's beaten nobody of, of, of big merit right now. So, you know, that's the argument of the committee. And I can't see Alabama not in first either. I mean, Alabama's first in the coaches poll and first in the AP. But what can you say to the argument that Georgia beat Notre Dame and Alabama hasn't beat a ranked team at the time of play except for Florida State, which doesn't mean much right now? That's a good point. Uh, But I'll guarantee you, 
that Coach Saban has got some bulletin board material right in front of the kids when they see Georgia ranked ahead of his team. He doesn't have to say anything more than that. Nothing more. The kids who look at that, forget about it. Alabama is a better team than Georgia, and they'll prove it. That coming from Papa Joe and Papa Joe's picks. And I can't disagree with you that when they go off head-to-head, I would lean on Alabama in that game. Papa Joe, before I let you go, we're going to do a, we're gonna do a rapid response here. We're going to go down the line quickly at some of the games that are going on. And so we are going to uh, spin through this rather rather rapidly. Uh, Thursday, November 2nd, today, Navy's taken on Temple. Navy needs some help. They've been ranked this season. They're 5-2, and two, but they've also had some issue. A Navy at Temple. We're going we're gonna to run through these in quick analysis. What do you have for this one? I like Navy. I like the rushing attack, and I think they control the ball, beat Temple easily. I have Navy in this game on the road, too. It is a rematch of the American Athletic Conference Championship game that happened last year where Temple won the game. However, I think that Navy is, is even though they've had some issues as of late, I think when it comes to playing against Temple, Temple's defense isn't there this year, and the team has struggled to move forward. <laughs> Saturday, November 4th, Penn State at Michigan State. Penn State coming off a one-point loss. This could either hurt them, it could have them spiral downward, or they could respond in a big way. What do you think? This is, this is upset city for me. Penn State loses this one. I can see Penn State losing this game as well. I'm going to pick Penn State on the road. I think it's going to be a close game, but I could see Michigan State taking over this one. Uh, Auburn at Texas A&M. Auburn's ranked 14th in the country. Texas A&M is not ranked. Obviously, they've had a lot of issues this season, but what do you see out of this one? Texas A&M coaches are in serious trouble. They're going to lose this game, too. So you can add Texas A&M probably to another coaching vacancy in the SEC. I like Auburn. I'm going to go with Auburn in this one, too. Uh, I think that Texas A&M, like you said, has a lot of problems, a lot going on. And I think Auburn's trying to make a case for a nice bowl for themselves this year. Georgia Tech at Virginia. Virginia, like I said, 5-1 and one, but lost the last two. They are 5-3. and three. Georgia Tech has had some heartbreaking losses this year. They will be in Virginia. Who's winning this one? I like Georgia Tech. Uh, I've always liked Paul Johnson, the way he coaches. I think his run option uh, is going to control this game, control the time. I'm going to go on the other side of Virginia. I think that Bronco Mendenhall is going to wake this team up. They need all the help that they can get right now. They are one game away from becoming bowl eligible after winning only two games last season in Bronco Mendenhall's first season in Charlottesville. I have Virginia in this game. I think they get back on the horse and they get back to work. Wake Forest at Notre Dame. Is there any chance for Wake Forest, who's played some good games this season, is there any shot or is Notre Dame just finally relevant again? I don't know if Notre Dame is finally relevant again. Uh, They will win this game easily. They're going to have to start impressing some people, though. Uh, I I look for them to maybe run it up, too. I like Notre Dame. I'm going to pick Notre Dame in this game. Uh, no matter what, they have they have uh, the opportunity to be on NBC when they win one game a season, ten games a season. NBC will always carry their games. All I have to say to the rest of the college football is, must be nice. So, <laughs> Notre Dame, I think they'll win this game. It's, it's hysterical to me how somebody said to me before the start of this season, I think James Franklin's probably going to get fired. And you look at Penn State and being in the top ten two years in a row – and then this season at the beginning of the year, two, three weeks in, 
Brian Kelly is supposed to get fired, and now his team is 7-1 and one and very well could be playing in the college football playoff. I just find that interesting. I have Notre Dame in this game. Ohio State's going on the road to play at Iowa. Justin Turner came on the show yesterday, said, listen, Iowa is no cakewalk in Iowa. Could there be any chance that Ohio State falls to Iowa after winning against Penn State? I think that's too emotional of a win last week. The kids can't possibly get up again for it. I like Iowa. I'm going to go with Iowa in this game, too. I'm going to make it hard for the committee to figure this one out. If Ohio State loses to Iowa and Penn State has lost to Ohio State, how do you handle this game? Uh, Stanford and Washington State. Washington State has consistently fallen in the rankings to 25. Stanford is 21. I still think that Washington State has some dangerous pieces to them. Uh, What do you think about this game? If Washington State loses, they're out of the top 25. What do you think about it? Well, I like Washington State. I think their offense is going to finally wake up. Coach Leach uh, likes to, what Steve Spurrier used to say is pitch it around the ballpark. And I like the way his team pitches it around. I like Washington State. I like Washington State for the sheer fact that they score more than Stanford and they can they can run up this tally. Uh, Stanford is 6-2 and two on the season. Washington State is 7-2. and two. Stanford though has, you know, they've 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 squeaked by some teams where I feel like Washington State is going to make more of a statement. And so I'm going to pick them in this game. The last game I want to ask you about Papa Joe is well, there's two games. UCF Central Florida on the road at SMU. SMU is bowl eligible in the third season of Chad Morris, the former assistant coach to Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. He has the team 6-2 and two with a shot to win the West Division of the American Athletic Conference. UCF on the other side is ranked in the top 18. And in the second season under Scott Frost, they are 7-0. and They are undefeated. And they're coming off of a 40-point victory against Austin P. Albeit they're supposed to win that game, but their offense has been very, very good. And their defense has been up and down, but it's been better than I thought people would, would maybe anticipate it would be. Central Florida, SMU in Texas. What do you think? Uh, Forget about defense in this game. Scott Frost is going to run it up and run it up. I love the way this guy coaches. I love his quick action, fast plays. There's a reason why he's leading the nation in in scoring. Uh, SMU is going to prove to be a tough set. They are at home, but I like Scott Frost's team. I'm going to go with Scott Frost in this game as well. Seeing UCF undefeated 8-0. They, they should rise these polls, and they should definitely, definitely make a huge statement for the American Athletic Conference. I said there was one more game. I fibbed Arizona and USC. I got to ask you about this one. Number 22, Arizona, I'm going with, but they're on the road against USC. I just I, I don't buy USC this year. I know they're ranked higher, but I have Arizona in this game. What do you have? Uh, I like I like Southern Cal. I like the way Darnold's uh, controlling the team. Not too much defense there, but uh, I like I like Southern Cal in this game. Also, you know the Oklahoma State game is going to be awesome. Yeah, that was the last one that I wanted to bring up because I think this is a toss up. Number five Oklahoma, number eleven Oklahoma State. If Oklahoma wins this game, I think they should be in the college football playoff top four, and they should bounce Clemson out if they win this game. However, it's at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is 7-1 and one on the season. They're coming off of a victory over West Virginia. Oklahoma is also 7-1, and one, and they've defeated Ohio State this season. So, in Ohio, I'm going to go with Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma should take over Clemson. In, even if Clemson beats NC State, 
I think Oklahoma takes spot number four, at least for now. What do you have in this game? I like Oklahoma. You got Baker Mansfield against Mason Rudolph. Both players averaging well over 300 yards a game in passing. Going to be the game of the week, maybe even the game of the, of the season. Uh, I like Oklahoma. All right. So most of them we agreed with that Syracuse won. That it could be a punch in the gut, or it could be uh, it could be some hope for Syracuse. It's the greatest time to pick Syracuse to beat Florida State, especially in Tallahassee. But that that game has uh, got your stomach churning a little bit. At least it's got mine. Papa Joe, as always, appreciate having you on the broadcast. We missed you last week. We're glad to have you back. And I know that you and I will be in conversation for sure from Saturday at noon, probably all the way through. It's a lot of fun, Daniel. See you later. All right, take care. That coming from Papa Joe in Papa Joe's Picks. My Uncle Joe, extremely well-versed, as you can tell, when it comes to the college football and and sports in general. He's just great. And, you know, uh, I feel very blessed and privileged to run my own company so that somebody could say, well, who are you going to have on the show today? And I'm like, my uncle. Your uncle? How are you going to have your uncle on the show? Well, because he knows what the hell he's talking about. So some people take opinions just to take opinions. He does his research, and he takes an opinion he believes in. And I respect the heck out of him, and he keeps me on my toes. And if he's making me a better sportscaster, he should be on the air. Fast break coming up right now. We'll come back with two more things to talk about. We have the Jets at the Bills. Thursday night fantasy football picks and thoughts coming up in just a moment. And through the Looking Glass, proudly presented by Looking Glass Events, taking a deeper look at a trending topic coming up in a moment. This is a wake-up call fast break. Gear up with the real deal at Drysig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DrysigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens... They're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company.
The Pen and Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Pen and Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn and Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. The name Leeson Staggerwald is synonymous with Central New York with over 80 years of service to the community. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown is your butcher, grocery, pub, and deli located on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Minutes from the Carrier Dome in your perfect pre-gaming headquarters with Rob Drummond and myself, Dan Tortora, two hours before home games. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown, where you can dine in, take out, pre-game up on the hill with their meats or pre-game inside their walls. Lee's and Staggerwald downtown, a unique experience for every single fan and every member of the community with over eight decades of service. They're open Monday from 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m., Tuesday through Thursday from 10.30 a.m. to 8 p.m., Friday 10.30 a.m. to 9 p.m., Saturday noon to 9 p.m., and closed on Sunday on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Here in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. It is the home of the Dan Tortora special, Belgian waffle cut in half, filled with a bacon, egg, and cheese omelet. It is available for breakfast, lunch, and dinner daily at the Market Diner, Monday through Saturday, and up until 2.30 on Sunday. So make sure you pop in to the Market Diner, whether you're coming, going to the train station, coming from the train station, going to the bus or from the bus, regional market, coming off a bunch of major highways, coming out of the city, going into the city, coming through the parkway, coming through Liverpool, going to the parkway or going to Liverpool, or coming in and out of Destiny, USA, the place for you to go to while you're doing all that good stuff is the Market Diner right there, centrally located for your personal enjoyment and enjoyment for you and your family, you and your friends, your coworkers, your colleagues over at the Market Diner. Go and hang out and have yourselves a great breakfast, lunch, and or dinner right there at the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. Big shout out to Tony and BC and his wife, Elaine and BC, and the entire team that makes the Market Diner truly what they are. Here in this part of the morning menu, it's time for us to give fantasy football analysis for Week 9, the Jets at the Bills. You would think that this game would be boring, atrocious. You would maybe call you know, call up your, your providers and say, why are you showing me this game on television? Can they not find anything else for a Thursday night? How dare you make my eyes bleed? However, this is a pretty darn good game. This is a good game this season because of where things are at. The Jets, they're three and five, but they've done some good things with Josh McCown. The Bills are five and two. They win this game that for a moment in time, 
they will have the exact same record as the New England Patriots, 6-2 and two and 6-2, and two, heading forward into the rest of this season. The Patriots have played eight games. This will be the Bills' eighth game of the season. If they're both 6-2, and two, that bodes well because guess what, folks? In true fashion of the way that sports truly works, they will face each other twice coming up this season. So if they're both 6-2 and two moving forward, they'll have an opportunity to have a crack at one another in Buffalo on December 3rd and in New England on December 24th. So just a note, I think the Bills are going to win this game. I really do. I don't think that it's a, it's a game where the Jets don't do something positive. I don't think it's a game where the Jets don't have some points put up on the board. But, you know, this Buffalo Bills team, listen, when the Jets play anybody in division, it's dangerous. When the Jets play anybody at home, it's dangerous. For some odd reason, these games are dangerous. I don't know why, but <laughs> I have no idea why, but they just are. They just are dangerous. And it's the crazy thing about, about and pardon me, they're playing in New York. They're not playing in Buffalo. So that was uh, my mistake. They're playing in Buffalo, not in New York. Or, or, or pardon me, they're playing in New York, not in Buffalo. Wow. I'm just going to have to take a beat, take a moment, think about it, look at the schedule. <laughs> Buffalo is playing at the Jets. So the funny thing is you would say a New York team is playing still in New York, so advantage both, but it's not. It's in East Rutherford, New Jersey at MetLife Stadium. So Buffalo is playing at New York in this game, Buffalo at the Jets. So this game, like I said, when it comes to the Jets, it bodes well for the Jets because they're playing at home. So they will put up points, and Josh McCown may put up some fun numbers because for some odd reason he's been able to do that this season. So watch out for the Jets in this game, Buffalo. I still think Buffalo's going to win. I still think Buffalo will be able to squeak this one out, but I, I also think it's going to be an interesting game. They defeated the Jets at home in Buffalo in the first game of the season, 21-12, to but that game doesn't – I mean, you look at that score and you're like, okay, 21-12, to they took care of business. Yeah, no. This game was a lot closer than you think it was if you were watching the game. This game was 14-12, Buffalo over the Jets going into the fourth quarter. And although Buffalo always had the lead in this game, the game was not far off of the Jets. And a lot of times they were a touchdown away numerous times. They were a touchdown away at 7-0. At 7-3, they could have scored a touchdown and taken the lead 7-6. 14-6, could have had a touchdown, a two-point conversion. 14-12, just needed a field goal at that point. So the Jets did fight in this game, but Buffalo held them off the whole time. I think Buffalo does it again. They've beaten better teams this season. I think that, you know, Buffalo doing what they've done at this point in the season says a lot about, you know, where they stand, at least in my mind, you know, to defeat a team like the Broncos, who obviously have had issues, and the Falcons. But these are two teams that, going into those games, these could be Super Bowl contending teams, and Buffalo took them down. We have seen them falter. We've seen them struggle. But the Broncos and the Falcons still have a lot of talent. They still had to win in Atlanta. They won against the Buccaneers in a, in a back-and-forth game shootout. They defeated the Raiders 34-14, to which is a huge game. But they've won a lot of these big games at home. 
Now they're going on the road to the Jets. And like I said, I think the Jets will score. I think the Jets will make it interesting. But I'm still leaning on the side of the Bills, who now have Kelvin Benjamin, mind you. Okay, For those of you that, that didn't see that, maybe it was overlooked because people were going insane, me, over Jay Ajayi not, uh, leaving the Miami Dolphins and that making absolutely no sense for Miami. But Kelvin Benjamin, the number one receiving target you would think with Carolina, got traded to Buffalo because Zay Jones as a rookie has been underperforming, which I'm surprised about, and Jordan Matthews is on the other side of it, but Jordan Matthews hasn't done much of anything. Their best receiver, let's call it what it is, has been Charles Clay, and Charles Clay at the tight end position has been hurt in recent weeks, which has hurt the Buffalo Bills receiving, although they've been able to still go out there and win some games. Charles Clay is going to be out for this game as well. So they bring in Calvin Benjamin. This could be a huge boost. This is the great thing about fantasy football is that you pick up Calvin Benjamin and he hasn't done a lick of, a lick of much for you this season. Now he's with the Bills all of a sudden. I think personally, as a fantasy football analyst, I think he's a hotter commodity. Jay Ajayi, stock definitely rises. So, Calvin Benjamin, in my opinion, is worth the play this week. I know it's his first week with the team, but he's worth it. And so is LaShawn McCoy. Those are really the only two guys that I feel good about. Maybe a Tyrod Taylor. It depends on if you can play two quarterbacks in your fantasy football leagues. We only play one. It also depends on who's on bye week for you and who you have injured. Tyrod Taylor's not a bad option, but he's a middle-of-the-road quarterback to me. Kelvin Benjamin, I like in this game. I think he's going to have a pretty – I think this could be a very exciting moment for a 5-2 and two team. And I think Kelvin Benjamin could be a great fit for the Bills. LaShawn McCoy, he makes sense to put out there as well as he's gotten back on the horse for uh, for fantasy football. As far as the Jets go, who would I put out here for you? If you want to, if you have to play two tight ends or you have a tight end off this week, Austin Safarian Jenkins isn't a bad play. I really don't feel good about anybody with the Jets, though. I really honestly don't. Robbie Anderson, he's a good flex guy. He got me some points in a week where I had a bunch of guys on bye. So, you know, I could say Robbie Anderson or Austin Safarian Jenkins, although they are low-end options for me in fantasy this week. We'll take our final we'll take our final step aside of the show, and when we come back, we'll do a deeper look at a trending topic, proudly brought to you by Looking Glass Events, in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Green's Ale House and Grill, located on 104 West Bridge Street in Oswego, New York, is your home for all the games all the time, Sunday through Saturday, no matter what the sport is. It's also your home of Wingmaster Jabber, who's constantly in the kitchen creating wings that have won awards and you love to eat every single day of the week. At Green's, you'll also find the Wake Up Call with Dan Satora live on location coaches show, exclusively dedicated to the Oswego State Lakers' numerous sports programs. There's only one place to go in Oswego, and that is Green's Ale House and Grill, 104 West Bridge Street in Oswego, New York. We'll see you there. Hi, this is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315 315- 702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events, giving you a reason to celebrate. 
The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. In the final part of today's broadcast and every Thursday broadcast of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, typically we're at 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time, but we had to start a little bit later today due to a technical glitch, and we apologize, but we thank you for following us through it all and ad-libbing with us this morning. I am very happy to bring you Through the Looking Glass, proudly brought, proudly brought to you by Looking Glass Events. It is a deeper look at a trending topic. I am so honored and so appreciative of everything that Looking Glass Events has done for the community. They have their own shop in Fairhaven, New York, which is a beautiful drive from anywhere uh, in, in you know, Syracuse, Liverpool, and whatnot. It's a it's a wonderful, wonderful drive to take. It's a wonderful place to be in the fall for sure. And uh, obviously in the spring and in the summer and in the winter, I'm sure the snow just looks absolutely elegant out there. Um, she is available to you there in Fairhaven. She is also by appointment. Call 315-702-4653. If you're a bride or you know a bride or somebody's getting ready for their wedding and this, that, and the other, have them call Kira at 315-702-4653. Also... Uh, to give Kira a call for any type of event that you have. As much as she's helping out the bride, she's also helping out the business owner. She's helping out the retreat. She's helping out the birthday party, the anniversary, the sporting event, the banquet ceremonies, everything. There's nothing that Kira won't do. Festivals, conventions, all of it. And I feel so honored to have her by my side in, in, in partnership with my business because of the fact that she can multitask, and she is a jack-of-all-trades when it comes to event planning. So 315-702-4653 is the number to call. 315-702-4653. Call up Kira and check out more at lgweddingsandevents.com. With that being said, a deeper look at a trending topic. What's been trending in the world that we live in today? Well, there's a lot of things. there's a lot of things that are trending and there's a lot of terrible, terrible things that have been going on in society and it's sad and it breaks my heart and it hurts, but a deeper look at a trending topic, you know, we have the annoying moment of the week coming up tomorrow and, you know, a deeper look at a trending topic for today is the Houston Astros. I can't figure out another way to end the show than to talk about Houston. 
This city has gone through so much with Hurricane Harvey. This city has dealt with a lot from that. I'm so proud to be connected with the city, having been there for on more than one occasion for different events. I, I feel blessed to have been there for the Final Four. I feel blessed to have uh, to have also been in Houston for the first American Athletic Conference football championship game between Houston and Temple, and to be able to see different parts of the city. My hotel was right by the Houston Astros stadium. It was right there. The funny thing was because it was out of uh, you know there there was nothing going on uh, at the stadium. It was so quiet. It also it almost looked like no man's land. And then, you know, you fast forward to now and you're like, you know, I wonder what type of massive party they're planning there in Houston. It's it's such a beautiful, beautiful story for the people of Houston. I, I could not be more proud for them. I think that it is a story of handling adversity. It is a story of of bouncing back when nobody thinks you can. You have to remember that when the Houston Astros, when the, when the leagues were lopsided in, in uh, Major League Baseball, they were asked to switch. You know, there, they, there was this opportunity to go and, and switch sides, you know, and, and to move from where they were in the National League with the Dodgers, not in the same division, but there, to move to the American League so that they could even everything out. Because, you know, we, we had a, a division that had six teams – and we had a division that had four teams, and it didn't make any sense. It made sense for every division to have five teams and for there to be three divisions of, of five on one side and three divisions of five on the other. So Houston got asked to join the Angels and the Mariners and the Rangers and the Athletics who were dealing with a, a smaller division. They were the, the, the division of four. And Houston said yes. They moved over. And when they moved over, they were one of the worst teams in baseball. Their record was atrocious. They were not a strong team. They were a a, a team that had just completely and utterly uh, done done little to nothing. And they got asked to move over, and now you're looking at a team that's that played in the regular season to the tune of 101 wins and 62 or 61 losses in 162 games, 101 and 61, and a team that won the World Series, a team that went through in the postseason, a team that went through the Red Sox, a team that went through the Yankees in seven games, a team that went through the Dodgers. Not only did they win the World Series, they had to go through hell (laughs) to get to where they are. They had to go through absolute hell to get to where they are. They had to go through hell to get to the ALCS. And in the ALCS, they had to take down the Yankees in Game 7 to get to the World Series. And then Game 7 to defeat the Dodgers in Los Angeles. And this is the thing. And this is what I said going into the game. Both of these teams were good at home. LA was good at home and Houston was good at home, but they both dropped games at home. As well as they were at home, they were also vulnerable at home. Neither one of these teams took... 100% care of home. Neither one of these teams took 100% care of the road. It's gone back and forth, right? So Houston loses in LA. Then they win in LA. 
Then they win in Houston. Then they lose in Houston. Then they win in Houston. Then they lose in LA. Then they win in LA. It's just back and forth all the way through. They won two games in a row against the Dodgers, one in LA and one in Houston. But outside of that, it was back and forth. Lose, win, lose, win. After that. The hill to climb in this series by both teams was amazing. I said that if this if there was eight games in the World Series, or I should say nine games because it has to be odd to, de- to define a champion, I think the Dodgers would have won the eighth game and the ninth game would have had to be decided by one of these two teams. I think it would have gone back and forth again. The Dodgers have nothing to frown about this season. I know it sucks to be number two. They won 104 games this season and only lost 58. The Dodgers have been a team at times that have squeaked into the playoffs. Winning 104 games is a tremendous, tremendous accomplishment before they even started the postseason. To win that many games is tremendous. It's the most games won by any team in all of Major League Baseball of 30 franchises. In the National League, by far, they were the best. The Nationals won 97 games. The Cubs won 92. They won 104. Houston won 101. Cleveland Indians won 102 in the American. Boston won 93. So Cleveland came the closest. And then Houston, at the end of the day, Houston got the the number one win that mattered. But the Dodgers had a phenomenal, phenomenal season. If the Diamondbacks were playing in the division with the Cubs, they would have been in first place. If they were playing in the East Division with the Nationals, they would have been right there. If they were with the Red Sox, they would have been right at the top, tied. So to do what the Dodgers did, they held off a very, very well-improved Arizona Diamondbacks team. They took care of business. The Dodgers, in their postseason, defeated the Diamondbacks by winning every game that they needed to win. They won three in a row. Which is a tough team. Tough again. It was a tough series against a good team that didn't get the respect they deserved. Then they defeated the Cubs, the reigning World Series champions. Four games to one. Only gave up one game in Chicago. Won two in Chicago, won two in L.A. So, yeah. L.A., they lost the last game. Yeah, they don't get to hoist the banner. But the Dodgers have a lot to be proud of this season. And both of these teams made an average baseball fan or a non-baseball fan pay attention. Made people who could do without baseball focus in on baseball. So a deeper look at a trending topic is how the Dodgers and the Astros commanded your attention even when they lost it. Like I told you, it's hard for me to go through 162 games. I feel like I blinked my eyes and the season was over, though, at the same time. As much as there's so many games, I still feel like, you know, and they're playing games when it's still snowing outside. I, At the same time, I feel like I can't believe the season's over. And if the Astros and the Dodgers did anything for me as, as a sports fan, not as a broadcaster, just as a fan... They've commanded me to watch more games and pay more attention and 
dive into baseball more here on the show. They've they've called they've commanded me to give some focus to baseball. They've commanded me to spend some more time with baseball. They've commanded me to pay more attention. They've commanded me to sit down and watch a game. And to take note of it and to appreciate it more. And so I'm going to thank personally the Dodgers and the Astros. Houston, how beautiful a story for you. I remember going down and, and helping uh, Hurricane Katrina victims with Operation Helping Hands in 2006, eight months after the tragedy of Hurricane Katrina, and driving by the Superdome pretty much every single day that we were down there and seeing people on the roof trying to repair the Superdome. And because there's like pieces that look different, you didn't know what part of the Superdome was right and what was wrong, like what are they fixing and what's broken? Because these pieces, some of these pieces look like gold and some of these pieces look like this. And hanging up the banner right before they left and they said, we will be back. And I said to myself, how? We left and the, you know, we left at, uh, at the end of May. And in my head, I'm like, how are they going to be ready for September? There's no way. How are they going to be ready? And they were. And they won an insane amount of home games that season. Insane amount of home games that season. They restored so much. They put so much pride into that city. They gave people something to focus on, something to appreciate, something to love, something to turn to in a moment of extreme adversity, something to turn to that was positive. And you go back and you look at them okay they beat Atlanta at home they beat Tampa at home they beat Philly at home they lost to Baltimore and then they lost to Cincinnati they defeated San Francisco they they and then they had some other losses uh, in between that had some adverse moments but this was a team that made it into the postseason they made it to the conference championship game you know and then you look at, I mean, the work that they put forward and what they were able to do, it was it was such a blessing. It was such a, a beauty and such a wonderful thing that they were able to put together. They weren't perfect, but they were strong. And then in 2009, they won the Super Bowl. In 2009, they won the Super Bowl. Three years after Katrina. A little bit over three years after, they won the Super Bowl. And they started off the season on a 13-game winning streak. 13-0 to start the 2009-10 season. 13-0. Lost their last three games of the regular season and then won the three most important games of a lot of their lives in a divisional game against Arizona Conference championship against Minnesota in overtime, 31 to 28. And the Super Bowl against Indianapolis. So, Houston, take it in. Houston, enjoy this. It's not just about sports, it's about something positive to focus your energy on, something positive to focus your attention on. You may not have a house right now, but I know you want to go out and get a hat. I know you want to have a hat, and you're going to put that hat on, and you're going to have that World Series champions Houston Astros hat with a star on your head while you're picking up those pieces of wood and you're putting your life back together. 
it's amazing what a moment like this in sports can do in life, which is why Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora and Dan Tortora Broadcast Media LLC, and even before that, has always been, quote, where sports meets life. It is an honor and it is a privilege to talk about sports and life with you. And it is an honor and a privilege when they meet each other on the field, on the court, in the game of life. Congratulations, Houston. And congratulations, L.A., on a phenomenal season. God bless you both. And God bless everybody. To the people of New York City, my heart is with you. I know you will not stop. I know you will not falter. I know you will not live in fear. Because we can't. We can't. We simply can't. There are changes that need to be made, and there are fingers that are going to be pointed. I ask you to put your fingers down. They're not weapons. Don't point them at people like a gun. Don't point them like a weapon. Put your fingers down, and let's figure this out. There are policies, and there are things that allow people to come into this country. We have to look at what's good about them and what's bad about them. We have to look at what is the best option and what's the worst option. And then we have to figure it out together. But pointing fingers and saying, you're this and you're that, and we can't let anybody in and we got to let it. No. I don't think there can ever come a day where we don't let anybody in. I don't think that'll be a, a bright day for us. But how we let people in, I never knew there were lotteries. There's all this stuff I'm finding out now that I had no idea about. You just throw your name in a hat, they pick you. Hey, if you're a terrorist or you love this, that, and the other thing, doesn't matter. Welcome to the, Welcome to America. So... We've been very lax because we've been very privileged. We need to get on the horse, right? We fought for this country from England a long time ago. Now we're fighting for this country from terrorists. The only way to fight for this country is together. The only way to fight for this country is through equality and through listening. We can't do it any other way. I love y'all. And I appreciate you all. And I cannot wait to see you at Muddy Waters tonight. If you are in Syracuse, Liverpool, Clay, Cicero, Baldwinsville, Phoenix, Fulton, Maddydale, DeWitt, Marcellus, Manlius, Camillus, Fayetteville. I think I said that already. Jamesville, where, North Syracuse, East Syracuse, wherever you are, there is nothing like game show night. You have no excuse not to be there. It's Thursday night. I mean, you know, it's Thursday night. Bring the kids, bring mom and dad, bring the girlfriend, bring the boyfriend, bring the husband, bring the wife, bring the girls, bring the guys, whatever it may be. Put your team together. It's free to do and pick up the phone and call 315-635-8500. 315-635-8500. Call the number, reserve your table. I'll see you at seven o'clock. Muddy Waters, Thursday, November 2nd and every Thursday. I will see you this Thursday and every Thursday at 7 p.m. at Muddy Waters for live game show night. Points don't carry over. So if you've never played before, no worries that you're going to be behind. If you have played, you get to start anew every single week. $50 gift card is on the line, and I cannot wait to see you all. God bless you. I'll see you tonight, 7 p.m., Baldwinsville, New York, at Muddy Waters for game show night. I'll be back here on the air tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Annoying moment of the week, proudly presented by Carvel DeWitt. 
9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, Sound Bites of the Week. And from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Fantasy Football Friday. Getting you set for all of the Sunday and Monday Week 9 matchups that you can't afford to miss a moment of. Have a great day. Be good to one another. I'll see you for live game show night tonight. And make sure that you call Kira for all of your event planning needs, even just to get information. Doesn't hurt to call 315-702-4653. And if you're around Utica Pizza, make sure you get yourself a slice of that chicken riggy pizza. I went there last night or yesterday afternoon. I got Italian wedding soup and chicken riggies because I needed something spicy for my sinuses. And I needed something warm because it was so cold outside. And I'm telling you right now, folks, I got to fight myself to not go back today. Get yourself over there to Utica Pizza Company in North Syracuse. We've given some love to the Market Diner. Carvel DeWitt, no matter how cold, warm, or whatever it is, the flavor of the ice cream doesn't change. You should not deprive yourself from the beauty of being a kid every day at Carvel DeWitt, 4322 East Genesee Street in DeWitt, New York. And, of course, Muddy Waters and Sammy Malone's. Muddy Waters right below Sammy Malone's. The best shrimp tacos in Central New York are upstairs at Sammy's. And some awesome, awesome poutine and so much more Louisiana-style cooking is at Muddy Waters. Enjoy yourself and treat yourself. And of course, if you're out in Oswego and you're at Greens, you know that you know that you're going out there and getting the wings from the National Rookie of the Year for wings a couple years ago that has consistently looked at making their wings better, improving them, and bringing in new sauces and dry rubs and whatnot. Get yourself over to Greens. And of course, the Wildcat Sports Pub. Who does not like fries? With see like good seasoning. I never want when I get fries. I don't want to put a damn thing on them. I don't want to put anything on them. The Wildcat gives me those comma fries. They're kind of like chips, but they're fries. They're thick. They're potatoes, but they're 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 literally like something you can't describe it. You just have to go get it. And I get them with the chicken Caesar wrap. I get their boneless wings with the house sauce. I work with some of the best restaurants in the community, and that is no stretch of the imagination by. By any means at all. I want to give a shout out to 315 Chiropractic and Wellness. You can you can find 315 Chiropractic. You can find 315 Chiropractic on Facebook. I also want to give a thanks to Lawrence Papaleo of Gilbo Realty. And you can call him at 315-748-2524 if you're looking to buy or sell a commercial property or a personal property. A Honda City of Liverpool has always been amazing. It's where I get all my cars. It's where I service my vehicles. Very happy with Honda City of Liverpool and the way that they treat me where I don't feel like I'm just going to a car salesman to be annoyed. I actually feel the opposite. I feel like I'm going somewhere where I can ask a question and get an answer. So I appreciate that very much. And of course, Giovanni's Tuxedos. If you want to look good, which why in the heck would you not want to? The place for you to go to is Giovanni's Tuxedos in North Syracuse, right down the road from Utica Pizza and the Penn and Trophy Center, another phenomenal place for you to get yourself out to. The Penn and Trophy Center makes all of our trophies for fantasy football. They do they make mini Lombardis for us. These are trophies that literally I hand them out when we're drafting at the Wildcat Sports Pub. And the guys and the girls that play in our fantasy league, they grab onto this trophy and they're like, yeah, yeah, no, there's no way in hell I'm not taking this home. You know, I have to take it out of their hands <laughs> during the draft because they're, they're done so well. When, some, when you make a trophy and somebody goes, I want to put that in my house, that makes you feel good. And when it comes from a local company and Dan Monty that's 
right there in Syracuse on 111 East Willow Street, that makes me feel even better because he's been serving the community with his family for over 60 years. So he needs your business above all else. If you're going to go anywhere for customizing anything or making anything, creating any, whenever it comes to engra- you know, engraving something, customizing something, whether it's an award or you're putting a plaque up, or you want to frame this, or you had somebody pass away in a war and you want to do something with the American flag, however you want to do it. There was a guy that brought in a sword and got his sword engraved. You go in there and, and get things for little league tournaments and, and so on, and so basketball tournaments and everything. You go there and you can get the name placard for your desk in your office when you get your new building, whatever it may be. You can get a pen with your company's name on it that's Star Wars or Spider-Man or whatever. So when you're signing big-time agreements, you got your favorite childhood character right on there. Because if you're like me, you're always going to be yourself. So the Penn and Trophy Center that you can get at 315-422-8797 is located in Syracuse on 111 East Willow Street. I also want to give a big shout-out to Lees and Staggerwald downtown. The Wake Up Call Pub Nachos are legitimately one of the greatest things I've ever had in my life. They're nachos with corned beef and pastrami. It's like having a sandwich with your nachos. It's a marriage of two things that we all love. And here in the Northeast, pastrami, corned beef, are you kidding me? Throw that on top of nachos with the cheese and the banana peppers and the olives and the lettuce. Oh, my God. If you haven't had them yet, you got to be insane. Get out there and get them. 117 East Fayette Street in downtown Syracuse. And, and of course, you know, to, uh, to make sure that uh, I don't leave the show today without giving a special thank you. Also, uh, I've given one to Looking Glass Events, but to also give a thanks to fanhands.com, where you should all go to get your fan hands for the Syracuse games this season, Lemoyne, OCC, Oswego, and so on and so forth. You want to be loud, be proud, and be an amazing fan, go to fanhands.com and get one of the most inexpensive ways to be one of the loudest people cheering on your team. You get great gifts for Christmas as well coming up. And uh, special thanks to Drysig Apparel and DrysigLady.com. You can check out what they have to offer in some of their catalog on my website by going to the Central New York tab and scrolling down to Drysig Lady and Drysig Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com and D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. Check them out. Find me on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, Twitter at Call DT, Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT. And if you missed the video of the big announcement for Wake Up Call and Super Powered Pop, you will find that at the top of both of those pages uh, on Facebook, Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora and Super Powered Pop with Dan Tortora. God bless you. Have a great day. Be good to one another. Make sure that you connect with the CNY Pop Festival on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the same name at CNY Pop Festival. Find out more about what it's all about by going to any of those avenues. And once again, I'm looking forward to seeing you tonight for Live Game Show Night. Pictionary meets Family Feud in an amazing game with amazing food surrounded by an amazing community. God bless and have a great day. I love you, grandpas. I love you, my grandmas. I love you, Kate's grandpa, who's here on earth. And I am so very blessed to have the family that I have. I love you to all in my life that have been so good to my wife, to my dog and G mama. I miss you like crazy. Have a great day folks. And I'll talk with you tomorrow morning and tonight at game show night.